Does anyone ever stand down here, or do they always go up? Can I move the podium? Oh, well. I can see everybody. Boy, I don't know. You guys are pretty far. You know, they ought to take out the last bench and get you guys up a little bit. Okay, I'll stay here. Um, happy Mother's Day. I want to read from 2 Timothy. First of all, chapter 1. Paul is writing to a very dear son, Timothy, who became a very important person in the formation of the church in the whole region of the Mediterranean region, really. Um, He says, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. Verse 4, recalling your tears I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So, Paul does not mention his father, just his mother and his grandmother, who had a powerful influence on his life. And that influence we're going to talk about in this message. I want to turn to one more passage where in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, I'll start in um, verse 12. 2 Timothy 3, 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those uh, from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So, from infancy, Timothy was taught the word of God. But that wasn't all. They modeled it. Uh, In these verses, it says, uh, because you know those from whom you learned it. You know those from whom you learned it. It wasn't just taught, it was caught. Uh, Howie Hendricks, famous teacher down in Dallas, uh, you know, he had a lot to say about education. And really, it's, it's what we catch more than what we are taught, really. You know, I think of the example of my father. You know, my dad loved nature. Um, and I never will forget, he was the first one who pointed out geese going north, or whether it's, they were going south, I forget. But, you know, he told me that very important um, word, 
wow, look at that. You know, wow. I, I don't know if it was wow, but it was, you know, it was a, you know, this amazement over the things that none of us humans can explain. You know, how fish go to their original stream or how a, a bird will go back to its same nesting place. And, and he was the same one who, who told me about a wren's nest. I don't know. I mean, I still get choked up thinking about the beauty of a little bird's nest. Well, why do I get this way? Why do I get so excited about it? Because he was excited about it. You see, I caught his excitement over how a bird made a nest. And more than teachers in public school, I mean, I, I didn't have any teacher as much as my parent, mom or dad, give me this excitement over something. You know, if I want to be a teacher, I want to say to my kids, wow, look at this. How could it happen by chance? My kids have it memorized. Now, hey, there's no way this thing happened by chance. This is too amazing. And you could go to a million, billion things in this world. Eye, ear, nose, brain. My daughter had traumatic brain trauma, you know, uh, two and a half weeks or so. And, you know, a semi-comatose condition. And we still remember that the day Abby was coming to and said, Mama, I love you. She could remember how to make a sentence. These things are too amazing to forget. And, and that amazement is what, we're, what, is what I caught. Well, I'll tell you something about my mother. My mother um, told me the gospel. My mother made sure I knew I was a sinner. She taught me again and again how, Joel, that's sin. And Somehow, whatever she did, I was afraid of going to hell. And I remember the day I went into the kitchen, right there in the radiator, right there by the table. I said, Mom, I don't want to go to hell. And she said, well, you don't, if you ask Jesus to be your Savior, you don't have to be afraid of going to hell. You know, he died on the cross for your sins. And you can ask him to be your Savior right now. And she was always reading tracts to me. Always reading little booklets. We'll talk more about all the stuff she read to me on my way out of the house, on my way to school, you know, before the school bus came. I mean, she was cramming into my brain all sorts. Bev, you're sitting there. You remember this very well. You know, I mean, you know, she was making sure I knew these things. But she was not only teaching, she had this oftentimes, you know. Yeah, I remember her reading stories about persecuted people in Russia, persecuted people in China. And now here I am at Purdue University with my dear wife, Sally, sitting there. And, you know, we are reaching Chinese, they're communist party members, they're leaders, they're professors in the major universities of China. And they're going back as communist leaders, and yet they want to study the Bible. Well, that compassion, that, that burden that I had have is a result of that early impression on my mind going to school, getting on the school bus, thinking about, oh boy, America's got freedom. Those people, those poor people, what they have to go through. And let me tell you, I've heard stories 
I love to find out stories about their parents and grandparents. I could tell you stories. One, this guy, he has this nickname. It's, it's Dick. And it's not his Chinese name. But, you know, but a lot of the Chinese have American names to take pity on us, you know, because we can't ever get it. But um, anyway, Dick was telling me that his grandparents ate grass during the Cultural Revolution of the 60s. How many of you were alive in the 60s? Okay. Well, I, you know, we didn't know what was happening in China. We, there's no self-disclosure. You, nobody knew. But millions were dying. Millions. And his family was smart enough to go to the mountains and live off of grass because they knew they were in big trouble because they were educated or had something that people would kill them for, you know. So anyway, I hear all these stories, and, and now it, it really gives me this, this burden and compassion. Now, I'll tell you some other things about my mom. It's very interesting. My mother modeled. And there's two points in this passage of Timothy, teaching and modeling. A mother has to teach, and she has to model. Because, you know, if you don't live it, your kids aren't going to follow you. You know, you got to live it. And she lived it, or she modeled something that was very important, and it was compassion. My mother, I still remember going to an old folks' home and my dear mom crying for a lady who wasn't even a relative. I mean, you know, I mean, here she has her arm around this old lady serving her, you know, I mean, feeding her. And it's just like, Wow, she had compassion for this old lady at Iroquois up there, you know, and then later she was at Hoopston. But I mean, she was, but that wasn't all she was. She went and took us kids to the Danville Orphanage. Now, you know, they don't have it anymore. There's no such thing as an orphanage in America anymore. But when I was a kid, there was an orphanage in Danville. Is there anybody here who went to that orphanage? Nobody. Okay, so a bunch of us would always go down to the Danville Orphanage, and and Mom had this burden, compassion for these kids, and we would show these little films or you know whatever, you know, Good News Club kind of program that that she did, and and the other thing I remember about my mother was that Mom had a compassion for for Mexican migrants over in Melford. You guys also, how many of you remember the old sweet corn factories? few we do. Okay. So, hi, I'm taking you back here. This is, yeah, I'm 66. So anyway, all right. So we would go to the, to the migrant camps, and it was shocking what they lived in. It was like a, man, it was like barns what they lived in over there, you know. And she would pass out gospel literature, you know. Okay. So, so mother, you know, she's doing all this, and now I'm thinking, when, oh, Nobody wanted to go to the Danville Orphanage, and nobody wanted to go to the migrant camp. But after we would come home, it's funny how you knew you were doing right. And it was good, and you almost felt the power of God in it. I, I'm no kidding. As a kid, I felt like, wow, God's here. So I experienced power. And let me tell you, The only way you are going to experience the power of God is like Peter. You've got to get out of the boat. 
And the rest of the disciples didn't. He did. He experienced the power of God. You got to walk on the water in a situation that is tough. And I just throw that in. I mean, it's just like that. Isn't that the way the Bible is? I mean, if you're going to experience the power of God, you have to step out and you got to go somewhere. Maybe you didn't really want to go to, you know. Why are we that way? But after we've done it, hey, we're happy we did. Well, that's the way it was for me as a kid. Every time, oh, tonight's Danville Orphanage. Okay. Or, you know, and, and then something else was really interesting. I'll tell you the story. This is the story of Grace Bible Church. Um, East Central Illinois needed an outreaching church um, that really reached out to do evangelism. Evangelism is a big word, but it means to really spread the gospel to everybody. Get the gospel to as many people as you could in the whole region. Because even though you think people have churches, they don't. You know, how many people don't go to church in this area? You'd be amazed. Maybe you're not amazed, you know. All right, so yeah, we needed churches, we needed outreaching, outreach, you know. Well, this was 65, 1965, and mom always prayed. She was a very praying person, and she demonstrated, she modeled um, prayer because a bunch of ladies, which included Aunt Carolee sitting right up here and I remember the group. It was, you know, some other names you all don't know. But, but um, dear people, some ladies got together for prayer. And it was really amazing how God answered that prayer. Because one day, I'm coming home from school. I, and on the bus were these missionary kids from Korea. Now, you guys don't remember. How many of you know the name Pearson? Does Pearson ring a bell? Good. All right, so the Pearson children were on the bus, and I run home, and I say, hey, Mom, there's some missionary kids on the bus. Well, of course, Mom's on the phone. She, you know, calls Winifred Pearson, you know, and they had moved into a farmhouse over by Claytonville. Now, get this. They, Winifred was from Indiana. Ray was from Colorado. They had been in Korea, and they choose a farmhouse near Claytonville. After these ladies pray for outreach to happen in our area. And so Ray, it turns out, had started churches in Korea. He was a church planter. And he taught Bible in a seminary in Korea. And so he's living in Claytonville, Illinois. Why? How many of you know why? Oh, Bev does. Okay, good. Yeah, well, we need to tell these things, okay? All right, so the reason... Stan, do you know? Okay, well, the reason they had to is because their son was bit by an insect and had a very high, like 106 or whatever fever, and he became a vegetable. And so they had... Indiana or Colorado did not have a facility that took care of these kind of kids. He was, he was in a vegetative state, and he had to be ad- entered into Lincoln, Illinois, and they had to establish Illinois residency. And so where are they going to go? 
Well, this other missionary from team named Guy Storm from Delvin, I mean, you know, and, and he, he found this place uh, near Claytonville, Illinois. So they move in, and to make a long story short, pretty soon uh, they're, they're, a bunch of families are getting together for Bible study. And, um, of course, you know, Uncle Cal and Carly were part of that, and my parents. And, and then, I don't want to leave anybody out, but I don't see any other relatives here today. Is anyone else here? Like Shirley Segerberg, is, is she here? Okay. But who? Who else are you thinking of? Yes. Yes. It was amazing. And, and so, Grace Bible Church began, and I still remember as a kid, and this is where, you know, the parents had a lot of, it's just a chet's pot, you know. I mean, we were in the old, as you all know, that old little lumberyard office building, and cars would drive by, and obviously, it was like, what are they doing in that shed? <laughs> you know, it was like, this is really kind of, you know, different. And so I really give a lot of credit to all of them, but especially I want to give credit to the ladies that prayed. And my mother was one of that group that prayed for outreach in East Central Illinois. All right? So that wasn't the only thing she had a vision for. Okay, so here's another thing. One time we had an international group come from University of Illinois up to Kaufman's Lake, for an out for something, you know, I think the, who helped get that going? I don't know, but it, it happened. And I was thinking, I was thinking, wow, this is really great. So what happens in the heart of these little children sitting among us right now is that they see you modeling something, believing in something, being passionate about, having passion about something, and it catches in their heart. And they don't forget it. And later on, you don't know where they will someday be working with international students at Purdue University, you know, and, and wanting to do farm tours and bringing them out here to System Park, you know, and, and this is, you know, like, and coming back to Kaufman's Lake and fishing. I mean, this is like, you know, what, what, it was a dream. It was a dream of reaching out to international students. You know, um, Modeling is really important, and I think modeling hospitality was something really important, too. So it's not just compassion, but it's modeling prayer, it's modeling hospitality, it's modeling service. Whatever it is, you know, you mothers out here, you know, you're modeling all sorts of things. And we need to pray that God will use you mightily because... We need to transfer to the next generation, just like Timothy did. It's got to be transferred. Our faith must be transferred to the next generation. So keep praying, keep serving, keep modeling, keep teaching everything you can. Now, I want to switch at this point, and I want to talk about this dream that mom had to reach international students. And... 
I'm going to play a PowerPoint in just a second. But this, this vision of reaching international students is, or, or just the immigrant or the foreigner or the, the person not like yourself was put in my heart. And, and this is what, what we have to model for our fellow younger Christians coming in. And, you know, some of you are just new to the faith, you know, and you're learning about this. Well, those of you who are older in the faith, you must model this. You know, how do we pass on this faith to the next generation? Because we hate to admit it, but we are getting older. So we've got to inspire the next generation to do it. Otherwise, our, our whole culture will grow up and not understand the gospel. It's really important. Let's play that PowerPoint right now. And this is about reaching international students. And, and then I want to talk more about uh, our ministry a little bit at the end. <clears throat> 